Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we are working our way through Matthew chapter 16, and I'll be using the NASB version today. If you're just joining us, I want to invite you into this study where we are looking at an introduction to the Gospels and we're working through the Gospel of Matthew, where we are looking at the history and the culture and the background and helping us to understand God's character and nature and how that impacts our relationship with Him today. If you'd like to dive a little bit deeper, we have some resources available. You can find the links in the show notes. We have daily journaling prompts that go along with each of the episodes. And I love journaling because it helps us get the information from our head into our heart. I also have a kids show that talks about the same content, but broken down in a way that kids can understand. And then I have family discussion guides that you can use to marry that content and have some powerful discussions with your family. Also, if you want to dive even deeper, I do offer spiritual direction and life coaching, and I would love to help you walk through some of these concepts together. Again, all that information is at shehears.org, or you can go to the show notes for links. So in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse one, it says, the Pharisees and Sadducees came up and putting Jesus to the test, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but are you unable to discern the sign of the times? An evil and adulterous generation wants a sign. And so a sign will not be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. And the disciples came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They began to discuss this among themselves, saying, he said that because he did not bring any bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, you men of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you picked up? nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you picked up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you about bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Then they understood what he did not say, beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. He said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
Then he gave the disciples strict orders that they were to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and to suffer many things for the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and to be killed and to be raised up on the third day. And yet Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, saying, you are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but men's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what good will it do a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Or what will a person give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father and with his angels and will then repay every person according to his deeds. Truly I say to you, there are some of you who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So as we look at this passage, there are some things that are going to feel familiar to you if you've been studying with us for a while. And there's some things that I think need a little bit further explanation. So the sign of Jonah and the conversation around the yeast, we did cover that. So if you have questions on that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to a couple of the previous episodes. But verses 13 and 14 is where I want to start. So this passage reveals that most people at this time are thinking still that Jesus was a prophet. And that makes sense because he is openly criticizing the religious establishment of the time. And he's teaching this message about the kingdom that is different than how they've been taught it and how they know it. And so he does have this prophetic voice. But what Jesus was trying to get to was more about this point of this real question of who he was and whether or not they recognize yet that he was this promised Messiah. In verse 16, there are two things that happen as Peter declares Jesus as the Messiah. He's saying, okay, yes, you are the son of the living God. The first thing that happens is we understand now that Jesus is the Christ. And that word Christ, it means anointed. It's this image for a king. And the kings of the time were anointed for a specific kind of task or leadership. And so here, when we see this Greek word for Messiah, which means the same thing as the Christ, it means that Peter is declaring that he is this anointed one. And so Peter is saying that Jesus is the promised Messiah based on everything he knows, not just from his relationship with Jesus that he has, but everything that he knows from the Old Testament. Because remember, these Jewish guys knew the Torah. They knew the books of the law. They knew the Old Testament. And he is declaring, yes, Jesus is the son of the living God. And that is a claim that had implications for people that were living under the rule of the Roman Empire. Because remember, Caesar, who was in power at the time, claimed to not just be a king, but to be a son of God. He claimed to be a deity and he claimed this divinity. He even went so far as to mint coins that said as much. And so when Peter is saying this, he's essentially going against Caesar and they were in Caesarea Philippi. And there was this temple of the Emperor Augustus. And so this challenge that Peter says eventually becomes the claim that challenges the emperor's divinity. And it would eventually lead to the capture, the torture and the killing of many of the followers of Jesus, including Peter. And so this really is a pivotal moment for Peter because this becomes the hill that he dies on. And it's this pivotal moment where we start to recognize the leader that Peter is going to become. And in verse 17, I just want to point this out because I always had questions about it when I was younger, when it says, blessed are you, and then Jesus calls him Barjona. Actually, let me read it. It says, verse 17, 
And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What does Barjona mean? Well, in that term, in Aramaic, which we know that Jesus spoke Aramaic, especially when he was with people from his own region, that word in Aramaic means son of Jonah. And it was a way for them to communicate this phrase like flesh and blood. It's a typical Jewish phrase that just basically means human being. And so he's saying, you, Simon Peter, as a human being, did not get this from human revelation. This was a revelation from God. And then in verse 18, he talks about how Peter is going to be the rock in which he builds his church. And so probably what Jesus is speaking right now still is Aramaic. And that word rock would have been a dual purpose word. It was, of course, the name Peter meant rock, but then it was also talking about the rock upon which the church was going to be built. And we know that Peter eventually became the leader of the early church. And there's a lot of discussion around what that meaning of the word rock means. But one of the connections that the rabbis made in that Jewish culture is that Abraham was also called the rock of which the world was found. And he talks about that in Isaiah 51. But Jesus isn't necessarily talking about building the church based on who Peter was. It was based on the truth of Peter's message. That's an important distinction because the church is built on Christ as Savior. Jesus is the rock, the steady and the sure foundation. And later we see that, that Peter clearly understands that because when we read the scripture that's written by Peter, he says that Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the rock. And so I think it's interesting because we see this evolution and this spiritual growth in Peter throughout the New Testament. It doesn't mean that Peter never gets it wrong. In fact, later in this passage, we see that he gets it wrong. But he talks about giving Peter, Jesus talks about giving Peter the keys to the kingdom. That is a metaphor that it's pointing to the authority that Jesus has given to Peter to basically admit entrance into the kingdom. We use keys to open doorways. And so Peter is being contrasted really to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees who are basically shutting off the entrance to the kingdom. And they don't even end up coming through that door themselves. They are putting all these obstacles in the way for people to get to God. And in contrast to that, Peter, he is this disciple who is giving this declaration of the identity of the Messiah. And in the book of Acts, what we later see is there are doors that he opens for the kingdom for people to enter. And we see that done with the Jews in chapter two, and then to the Samaritans in chapter eight, and then finally to the Gentiles in chapter 10. Peter is the one that is essentially opening this door to the kingdom as he is preaching this gospel message. And then I just want to mention this idea of binding and loosing. When Jesus gives Peter the keys to the kingdom, it's not that Peter necessarily is creating authority. He is taking advantage of the authority that God has given him. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, God has given us. And so one of the things I just want to encourage you with is binding and loosing prayers. And if you need more information about that, you can, I do spiritual direction, you can make an appointment and we can talk through this. But there is a way to do binding and loosing prayers as part of spiritual warfare. And one of the things that I think is so frustrating for me as a spiritual leader or as a teacher or a pastor or any of those things is when people just say, you know what, I just feel so defeated by the enemy. He's been hitting me so hard. 
And one of the things that I do in my own life, one of the things that I teach people to do is binding and loosing prayers because spiritually what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loose in heaven. So we can bind specifically things that the enemy is doing, whether it is, you know, if you're somebody that struggles of lying or somebody lying to you, you can bind the spirit of deception and you can loose God's spirit of truth. So there are all different ways to do that. And if you have never heard of binding and loosing prayers, I would encourage you to dig a little bit deeper in that because it's a powerful weapon for children of God. And then verse 23, we see already Peter messes up and he does it in love. He's speaking in love. But we have to understand there's a perspective shift now that's happening because Jesus is talking about things he's going to have to do, how he's going to suffer, how he's going to die. And Peter's like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And how does Jesus respond? He says, get behind me, Satan. And he's talking about the stumbling block because that word Satan in this tense, it is not the proper name of Satan as the enemy. It's a common Hebrew noun, which means adversary. And when it occurs sometimes in the language, it's meaning adversary, meaning it's a representation of how the enemy is trying to block God's plan and purpose. Because we know that Satan had tried to tempt Jesus away from carrying out the will of the Father. At the very start of the early ministry of Jesus, we see that all the way back in chapter 4. And now he's using a different tactic to try to accomplish that same goal. He's trying to use Peter. And so Jesus recognizes the way that the enemy is trying to use Peter in this scenario. And he's saying, "Uh uh-uh, you're not going to do it. And I think that's important to point out because none of us are immune. The enemy will try to divide and attack from within, even within church leadership. I just think that's important to point out because we see even Peter had fallen victim to that. And then finally, verse 28, I want to touch base on because I think this is a place where a lot of people have questions. Let me read it for you. It says, truly, I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. You know, there are people that will point to this as a contradiction. They'll say, you know what? The Bible contradicts itself. Jesus said, you know, they weren't going to die before he came back and all this stuff. Let me just tell you, I think, first of all, it is dangerous to read scripture outside of the context of scripture. And so you always want to read at least a whole chapter at a time so you get an understanding of what's going on. But what he's talking about here is not them physically dying before the second coming. He's talking about the actual transfiguration, which is going to happen right after this. We're going to talk about tomorrow in the very next chapter. And so he, Jesus, again, makes a similar claim about the Son of Man during his trial before Caiaphas. And so what Jesus is doing is he's talking about this idea of not something that is in the distant future, but this hidden present reality that will be revealed to some of his followers and hidden to other people because it's this idea of spiritual maturity. This transfiguration that we're going to study tomorrow will reveal more of that. But he's not talking about this far off second coming. He's talking about the transfiguration that's going to happen basically right after this. So given that insight, I want to go back and reread Matthew chapter 16 for you. It says the Pharisees and Sadducees came up and putting Jesus to the test, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, there will be a storm today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but are you unable to discern the sign of the times? An evil and adulterous generation wants a sign. And so a sign will not be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. 
And the disciples came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They began to discuss this among themselves, saying, He said that because he did not bring any bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets you picked up? Nor the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many large baskets you picked up? And how is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you about bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but out of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And he said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you, Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you will bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples strict orders that they were to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and to suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and to be killed and to be raised up on the third day. And yet Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me, for you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but men's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what good will it do a person if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Or what will a person give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every person according to his deeds. Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and the way it reveals your heart for us. God, we thank you that even in things like looking at um, binding and loosing and the keys of the kingdom, God, we thank you that you have not left us alone, but you have given us the authority through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to bind the enemy, God. And I pray even right now for the person that is facing something difficult, that, that you would help them to understand that they are not powerless to fight, but they can fight and speak and teach and preach and witness because of the power and the authority you have given them in their lives. God, I pray for right now, even right now, that you would quicken their heart and they would hear this echo of your spirit prompting them to share this gospel message, this good news in the moments that we need it most as a culture, as a society. God, help them to be a voice, a light in the darkness. God, I thank you that it is on you that we build this church and that you would help us to be equipped as we are called to step out and to share this gospel message. God, I thank you and bring your heart for people and the way that you continue to use Peter despite his flaws. God, help us to be people that are used by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, friends, thanks for listening. Hey, friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I wanna make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. 
The first is our Patreon page, and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things, we hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show every day, I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the family discussion guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. The second is on our website. If you go to shehears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you want to teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.